Welcome back, folks, to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast. On today's show, we have Ray Maloney, editor of Lux Review. Talking about what's going to happen, Greg. We need to know about the future of lighting, and now more so than ever with all that's gone on and all the confusion, we need to figure out where it's headed. And yeah. he had some good points, and we dove into those, and I thought it was a great discussion. It got technical. It got spiritual. It got all the great things about the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast that, that I think our listeners love, I think. Uh, happen on this one. So, Ray, thank you for coming on the show. But before we get to it, the starfish emerges from the ocean. Oh, I'm not going to tell the story. Sorry. You got to go to sacco.com. <laughs> That's S-A-T-C-O.com. Hey, check out this documentary on the founder of Sacco, Herbert Gilden, the starfish. Video will be in the link to the podcast as well. You can check it out there. But what a great company Sacco is. What a history. Yeah, and, and this documentary and this talk we're having right now is not necessarily focused on a product, but you'll see um, where they came from as a company and why they are so important to the lighting industry and why they are leaders in the lighting industry, why they have great product, great people, everything you can ask where they have it. And you'll see that if you watch this documentary. So I see, highly suggest doing it. And uh, also, they're going to name their lighting control system the Starfish. That's what I heard. Ooh, a little birdie landed on <laughs> my might shoulder and, sho- and told me that. So, But you got to go to S-A-T-C- SATCO.com. They're doing the right thing. They're doing the light thing for years and decades, man. Check them out. But for right now, don't forget, Nailed, National Association of Innovative Line Distributors, SATCO, a longtime vendor member of Nailed. Great supporter. Why aren't you in? Why aren't you in? Come on, folks. Join Nailed. If you're a lighting distributor, now is the time. But for right now, check out Ray Maloney, editor of the Lux Review. Get a grip on lighting. Welcome to the Get a Grip on Lighting podcast, Ray. Great. Thanks for having me. I'm very honored. I've been uh, admiring what you guys are doing and, uh, you know, keeping that communication, that dialogue. And it's more important than ever, I think, now in these in these troubled times we live in. Yeah, you know, um, you wrote an article for Lux Review. I'm just going to dive mm-hmm. right into it because sure. you know, it, it, I think it's worth getting into. I think there's a lot of different ways we can go. Um, eight effects mm-hmm. of the crisis on the lighting sector in specifics. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we've been losing familiar brands for long before COVID-19 came along, right? That's correct. We, absolutely, we have. There's been, you know, creative destruction, should we say, Mm-hmm. Since since LEDs came along, and uh, you know LEDs accelerated that process, and we've had new brands emerge, you know, um, come and go, rise and decline, and we've had new players come along, and um, uh, we've had people almost part the scene, um, uh, yeah. So, but this will accelerate that because I think the the transition to LEDs hadn't fully happened for a lot of companies. They still had a lot of legacy baggage they had their structures were geared around the old way of doing things the replacement market you know uh short product cycle uh, long product cycles all the rest of it and um you know they, they were still in that transition phase of moving fully to to the led world with you know the margins of the way they are and the and the uh, and the way of operating and um i think you know this 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 crisis has come along at a bad time for the lighting industry that's that's my my essential point these some of these companies um would be are some of the most storied american and european brands like you're t- like 100 mm-hmm. over 100 years history in one industry yeah. you know and yes. it's do you have any sense of sadness about that? Is there any dis- like? Is there any? I'm not talking about personal, but just like at, like looking at an industry and saying, "Man, that's sort of a tragedy for that industry in a way." Mm-hmm. Don't forget, Kodak were around a long time as well, sure. weren't they? You know, we had you had we've lost many big brands in in many um, you know in in many sectors. Uh, yes, it's you, you've got to have a lot of sympathy for the big boys that that you know the post war. Uh, lighting companies that that came and the ones back you can go back further you know with, with back back to the days of you know Edison and the light bulb and all that. Sure. Oh, the history! I, you know nobody loves the history of it. I I shed tears when they knocked down a, a light bulb factory, but uh, yes, I mean you know I mean even just around London where I am, you know they invented metal halide lamps. You know not fifty miles outside the you know high pressure sodium. 
factory was first in the Thorn factory. At, you know, there's mm. loads of history here. Thorn, yeah. Um, going back as long as you want to. Um, but you, yeah, you can't be a prisoner of history, but, you know, it's, um, yeah, it is. It, you've got to feel feel for those those companies to, to ch- you know, the replacement model, the replacement light bulb model was such a significant uh uh model and uh you know platform for these businesses and just they just to lose that is just it's incredible. taken for Thank granted you. so the lighting mm-hmm. business was like a pseudo subscription business it wasn't a subscription yeah, sure. it wasn't but it kind of was yeah. like i, I don't yeah. know from the manufacturing level which i'm sure it was the same but greg and i prior to the led boom we could literally predict our sales month to month of how many light bulbs we were going to sell, whether that was number of SKUs or revenue or volume. It was super predictable. You know, you, uh-huh. you sold this many lights and then you could even sign up customers to pre-buy stuff in advance. Like it was so predictable. And now yeah. you introduce the complete opposite. It's, that is so taken for granted, Ray, that yeah. the replacement well, let me lamp. Say, you have Osram. Don't sell lamps and they don't sell luminaires. So if I told you five years ago, you're going to have, you know, the second biggest name in the lighting industry, not selling lighting fixtures or light bulbs. You, you think I was crazy, hmm. you know? Well, I think I mean, yeah, one of the things I want to ask about is, is you're saying the word brand. And I think that's pretty key in this topic is, is it the brand is going to change the company? You know, the, the big three that we know about have all changed names in terms of lighting, yeah. but they're yes, still around. Yeah. Are you say, are you They're thinking that right. these companies will be gone, or just brands will change like they have because of this crisis? Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, a brand a brand has length and has you know uh, brands will continue if they have value. Um, you know, the Kodak brand I think is still going as a brand of yeah. printer. Somebody's bought it and somebody's using. It. I see Westinghouse is you know somebody's bought that and they're putting it on light bulbs and good luck to them. You know that has value. Um, the Philips brand is being lost because, as you know, the parent company have said, you know, they're licensing it to the lighting division and that will eventually go and hence the Signify um, situation. Um, you know, there's no sentimentality in, 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 in business, is there really? You know, so um, but 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 yeah, yeah, it is. It's just changed. You used to get used to that, that creative destruction, as I say, the the flight to quality where. Now, I'm not, I don't know if I agree or disagree about that. Yeah. I wonder, mm-hmm. you know, what, what makes your instincts think that it's going to be a flight to quality? Is it something to do with domestic manufacturing? That is so, like, I think the association between domestic manufacturing, say in America rather than China, and quality mm-hmm. is not 100% legit. You understand what I mean? Like, I don't think that things made in America are necessarily better than things made in China in 2020. Mm-hmm. So sure. what is it that the big, why is your instincts telling you that there's going to be a flight to quality by the end user person that pays the bill? What makes you think that? I think that's a short term play. I think that is, and it's purely because of this crisis, who's going to be around? Because, you know, a lot of lighting companies in the midsize are financially fragile, frankly. They, they don't have the capital resources to keep going for a long time. Should this, should this crisis continue? Should the government um, incentives, the furloughing schemes, the job retention schemes, the loans, uh, some companies can handle a significant loss of revenue for many, many months. And if you put them on a spec and you want you to be supported by them, you know, you got to take a view. I'm going to put in thousands of these luminaires in a building. You know, I I want somebody who's you know, what's the point of a five year warranty if you don't even know if the company's going to be around in one year? So that's always been um, true, though. Like that's, I mean, that, that's, that's always, been true for the last yeah. ten years. I mean, that's not a COVID it has thing, been though. For the last ten years, and companies like Signify play in it, and good luck to them. They should do. Mm. You know, but I think in this time, it's more. You know. It, it's going to benefit the Igazinis of this world, as I said, you know, and I've heard people actually, the people have told me that, that they're now changing who they're putting on a spec because there's rumors going around about certain brands and, you know, nobody wants to be short. So as I say, I think that's a short term thing and people will, you know, will, will forget about it. But, you know, here's the thing, the, no matter what metric you look at in the UK, no matter what metric you look at, the lighting industry is down over 50%. 
you know, whether that's return for the, uh, we have, you, you have to give in returns when you're doing uh, waste uh, in Europe, when you're doing, uh, under the waste equipment regulations, you have to file returns, blah, blah, blah. And also there's the Lighting Industry Association, people file returns there about their sales, etc. And any figure you look at, it's between, you know, the lighting industry is operating at around 40 to 50% of, it, of, it, of its standard capacity. And uh, so it's taken a big, not as bad as airlines, sure. you know, not as bad as Hilton hotels, but it's still a, still a big hit. And, um, you know, that can only go on so long. You know, you, you know, even with all the government help, that's not a sustainable situation. That's no, not sorry. a sustainable situation, you know. So, you know, and projects are just not go, are going on hold. I Listen, I know you guys try to be optimistic, but I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going to be Mr. Grumster today because it's, 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 it isn't pretty. It isn't pretty, you know. Um, I think, yes, brands will survive. Yes, people will uh, use their creativity and, uh, uh, to come up with new solutions and be innovative. But we have to get through a difficult period. And, uh, you know, I don't envy the guys and the challenges they're facing day to day and making payroll and, 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 you know, worry. I think I'm also hearing that, you know, people of a certain age are just saying, well, I don't have the stomach for the fight. I'm going to, you know, just people are retiring early and just, you know, stepping out of the business, you know, so. I think in a way it's a good thing though, if, if there is a flight to quality, I kind of welcome that in a way. I, I'm, I'm yeah. sick of a lot of the junk that's in the marketplace and hopefully if anything, mm -hmm. this filters it out to some degree, maybe it'll come yes. back, but I'd rather yes. have it stay steady. I think the industry has yeah. been dragged down by like all of us have been dragged down to the to like uh, led tube is this price and another uh, all the like the incentive mm -hmm. programs combined with accreditation agencies and all this sort of stuff <clears throat> have really confused the end user as to where quality is and what quality is and if you can go over to china with fifty thousand bucks and have buy a tube accredited and slap a brand on it and bring it over and it's in an incentive program or the fixtures in an incentive program, the consumer is very confused by that, the end user. Oh, well, why would I, I get a $100 rebate for this one and a $100 rebate for that one? Well, what's the difference between the two of them then? It must be the same thing. I think that, I think, I think the industry could use, um, could use, uh, uh, what's the right term? Uh, a threshing, you know, a, a removing of certain things. Mm -hmm. 50, 60 percent down. Uh, that's a little more than that, though. I think there's going to be a lot of dead quality bodies out there, too. So, yeah, I agree. And I think you've hit the nail on the head with uh, talking about education. You know, why buy one luminaire over another luminaire? Sure. It's, is, you know, I'm buying quality. I'm getting the, you, if you under, the more you understand, the more you pay for something. It's like any wine, cars. If you, the more you understand about it, why am I paying that extra price? The worry has to be that the people who you did a lot of the education, the Phillips of this world, the Osrams of this world, mm -hmm. are not doing it the way, to the, anything like the extent they, they did before. They educated people. You know, they, they were fantastic. And then they're, those people left Phillips went on and they, you know, people, they did a lot of that legwork. Why, what is light quality? And they explained about it. And that is unfortunately at the same time that you have Chinese product down, driving down prices, you have greater levels of less understanding among customers about, about light quality. Sadly. Company owners will focus on basics. I think that one's pretty self-explanatory. Um, I don't think it really applies to lighting. I think everyone listening to this is, you know, thinking, yeah, you know, yeah. when we laid off some staff, we're shifting inventory, yeah. we're trying to preserve capital. What I'm concerned about, though, is will that cascade through the all industries? And so we enter an era as a whole of capital preservation. And then well, people think, aren't, aren't doing lighting projects anymore. Oh, I think cost, it's, it's more applicable to customers. Customers are focusing on basics. So the facility manager at a university who you're trying to interest in some refurbishing his outdoor lighting, well, he's now being, his whole focus is how do we get social distancing in the university? What do I have to change? What screens do I have to put up? What, how do I reconfigure this? Mm. His, how, he's getting beaten up by management to get, how can we get this fixed? And every business is trying to figure out from a cinema to a restaurant, how do we, how do we, 
make this work and get people in because they now realize, you know, the lockdown is going to be lifted, certainly on this side of the pond, slowly, and it's, it's going to be difficult. And, that you know, they're not – I know it's a perfect time to upgrade your lighting. There's nobody in the schools. There's nobody in the universities. But, but they're, 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 the focus is not there. So that's another – whammy that you know we're we're having to deal with unfortunately that makes it harder to sell you know we talk about all the controls and the color mm. changing and all that people aren't even mm. thinking about that like i need my light to work and i need to focus on everything else i agree yes Make yes yes that won't be there forever but you know it's it's mm -hmm. definitely based at the moment and as i say in in my piece you know the lighting and you look at the lighting industry where what's been driving innovation and it's been retail retail's been great for the lighting industry retailers used to and you know you used to see it it was very common there was a skip outside a store full of new light fittings help yourself you know yeah, yeah. and then they would it because they under they were the first guys to understand light quality you know they understood mm -hmm. about the link between merchandise the lighting of it and sales and, uh, you know, I mean, the ceramic metal metal halide lamp was invented for those guys and they, they were happy to spend decent money on it. You know, retail was was a great driver for the lighting industry. How exciting was is, ceramic metal halide when it came out? How exciting was, <laughs> oh my God, I remember going to, God. oh, um, Hanover, the Hanover when they came out or Frankfurt, yeah. oh my God, then GE got one and... They had a different shape. You had a tubular one. You had an yeah, yeah. elliptical one. Oh, my God. The cat would get caught in the corner. We were all obsessed. Do you remember? Yeah, for we sure. We were yeah. obsessed. Oh, we thought it was everything. You know, um, yeah, that was exciting times. Sure, I remember Maine. Do you remember Maine's halogen? You don't look old enough, but no, that was no. a big When that came out, that was a very – the GU-10, that was exciting. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, and then yeah. So I actually, were, I I'm, actually going to push back on your number four because four? payment terms will lengthen. Okay, I agree with you. Payment terms mm -hmm. will lengthen, but they'll also shorten. So, like, it'll go both okay. ways, right? So, for example, I've taken tons of customers and turned them into prepaid customers on my end. Like, we're not shipping oh, to you. You got to pay right now. Oh, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. But are they getting discounts? That's my question. I've raised my prices and shortened my terms because there's wow. just there's a lot of companies Great. that are closed. People can't get light bulbs right now, so yeah. we raised our prices and shortened our terms. So companies are on prepay. So only wow. only um, the only people that were like we used to give terms to restaurants like that's crazy spas. Mm -hmm. Are you kidding me? We used to give terms yeah. to all these. We're we're a lighting distributor yeah, too. Restaurants have great cash flow. I mean, yeah. So we used to give terms to these companies, right? So restaurants, salons, bars, we'd be shipping those guy yeah. owned 13 bars, we'd be shipping them light bulbs. We've cut their yeah. terms. They have to prepay yeah. now and their prices wow. are higher. So I think it's I think there's there that that sword cuts both ways. Yeah. Well, actually, just see in an LIA lighting industry association survey of 400 companies in the UK, 35% were saying that, you know, uh, they, they were getting uh, uh, customers pushing for longer and had given longer terms. However, mm. there was also a lot of evidence, anecdotal evidence, that a lot of people were getting, uh, taking early payments, but on people asking for, you know, sure. early payment discounts and all the rest of it. So, yes, you're right. It's, you know, it, 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 I agree with you that both of those things are happening at the same time. The, but what I, what I noticed here was you wrote that it'll be difficult to reverse. It's interesting. I think you're right about that. Once a customer starts to take 60 or 90 days to pay or 120 mm -hmm. days to pay, they seem to want to keep it that way as long as possible. <laughs> Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? You'd have to give them an incentive to go back, wouldn't you? You'd have yeah. to say, okay, well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Discount for Why paying quicker or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. That's true. I'm trying to see, I really, I really, I'm looking for silver linings, but you know, it's 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 true. I, th there are sectors. There are absolutely sectors that are will continue to thrive. Um, you know, they include you know UVC is massive, massive interest in UVC, mm -hmm. massive, massive interest in this side of the pond. Um, however, that's that's you know that is a dangerous technology, and we need to get our heads around it. How do you use it safely in a space? Because 
UVC. You you know you don't even get UVC from the sun. Like, you know, our atmosphere takes it out. Yeah, you that's called the ozone layer. The ozone layer right. protects yes. us from yes. UVC light. Yes. Very bad. UVC will just gobble you. I mean, it's but also the damage it will do to surfaces and uh, oh, sure. you know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you know, so, you know. So I want to comment on that though. I had a customer yeah. call in, Greg. And the, and 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 uh, Ray, um, it's it's uh, crazy. Calls me up, and we've been advertising for UVC light bulbs because we sell light bulb UVC light bulbs, okay. right? Yeah. So we got a call, and uh, it's a lady, and she, there's this law office, and she's like, "We want a, a price to put UVC lighting all through our office," and I'm like, "In the oh. air ducts? In the air ducts? Or in That's the main insane. part of the office?" Just everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, this is really dangerous, actually. Whoa. You, you like, are you crazy? You're going to have a sunburn in about two minutes and you're going to be blind in Whoa. about an hour if you do this, right? Whoa. So, you know, it's like, I'm like, I can't, you know, I, I just told her, like, she's like, no, there's a lot of pressure. We want to get back to the office, but we need it to be completely sanitized. And I'm like, that's not, and I, I didn't answer. I'm not in the position, I'm a light bulb salesman. I'm not in a position where I tell people what's what when sa with sanitization yeah. and disinfection. But I was thinking to yeah. myself, like, that's completely insane. Like, from a lighting guy's that's perspective, like, yeah. maybe in yeah. the air ducts, you're going to put some in the air ducts to, you know, mm -hmm. that'll... Mm -hmm. You know, kill the bacteria yeah. in the air, the circulated air. Yeah. But to be shining UVC light on areas like not surgical rooms where people know what's going on, they know they're disinfecting yeah, yeah, yeah. now. But in a in a general space where a janitor could be walking through, where people could be sitting there doing their, this sounds like a really bad idea to me. <laughs> oh, it's crazy! There shouldn't be anybody in the room. There shouldn't be anywhere anybody in a space where there's UVC. It's just it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Um. Yeah, and I think the future will be where the UVCs are concealed. I think that has to be the only way forward. So is is that a lighting is that a lighting industry gig or not? I don't know. UVC is not it's kind of like the lighting industry has all these segments and UV light is kind of its own segment in a way. Correct, correct, correct. I know they were let to get on with it, but now it's exploding, everybody's getting interested in it. And I know people who are, you know, actively making product for it and yeah, explore. Yeah, it does a lot of it. There's a lot of good stuff as well, where people are taking real care as to how how do you have an interlock system so when the door is shut, it's connected to lighting. There's nobody there, then it comes on, and how do you do that? So people are looking at that. I so. I like the optimistically. I like your number five, where you say local production will be an advantage. I I like that. Like my gut instinct says, well, that's really cool. That you know we're gonna mm -hmm. there's gonna be, but I'm not so sure that. The trend is to reverse globalization. I think there, I think there's two competing models right now with the pandemic that are beyond, way beyond lighting, um, mm -hmm. but they're going to affect all these different industries. And one of those things is going to be, and we're not sure who's going to win. One of them is going to be like a reverse globalization, where countries are going to start cutting down, you know, their where things come from, who moves where, and this is going to make that local production an advantage. The other sort of force that's at play is like a gr even greater globalization, even more global capacity. Why do your instincts say that you think it's going to be local? Like, is that what you're saying is that, nah, we're going to turn inward a little bit and we're going to folk, we're going to pay more for stuff produced locally. Um, why does your gut instinct tell you that, Ray? I mean, I think that may be a short-term thing, but I think it will will be a thing that people will shorten their their uh, uh, supply chains, simplify their supply chains as uh, uh, in the next few years. I think it's obvious. I think you know, it just this this pandemic has shown how exposed we are, uh, and all businesses are to to the complex globalized supply chains. So. A big problem with manufacturing in the UK is you just couldn't in the last few months, and that has that has contributed to the reduction in capacity. Is they just can't get stuff. They can't even get stuff. They couldn't even get stuff from Italy, let alone China. And lead times went up. So this, you know, a lot of that has just been a problem. And I think short term of next few years, short supply, you will see shorter supply chains. But customers want cheap luminaires. They want cheap lighting, and mm -hmm. we've as an industry have taught them that that's okay. Yes. And unless we educate them about it, 
that's going to stay, you know. And well, I think it wasn't just the educated. It was also the Chinese. Let's face it, the Chinese government took a major decision back in in the day that you know they wanted to be a major player in LED lighting, and they encouraged their. They gave free land. They gave. They gave. I mean, literally buy one get one free on those MVOs. You know those machines for making LEDs. Sure. They they did all sorts of incentives long they before just LEDs. So in nineteen seventy nine. When, yeah. when uh, um, I was going to say Hu Jintao, but I'm thinking Deng Xiaoping, when he opened up, one of the yeah. first industries that they went after was light bulbs. One of the first ones before, yes. long before LEDs. Yeah. You're talking 1979. One of the first products that was truly globalized was incandescent and halogen light bulbs. That was one of the first yeah. things that the Chinese government wanted to dominate. They're like, that's a strategic yes. industry. Let's get factories that build those way cheaper and we'll take that yeah. industry over. And they did it. They actually took it over. And that was a plan. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't what they, when people talk about the lighting industry, they talk about LEDs. But what happened was what you saw long before LEDs came along, what you saw was a technology transfer from mm -hmm. the North America and Europe to China. And in the name of globalization and low price, and what left mm -hmm. was basically roots were torn out of Europe and North America, manufacturing roots were literally torn up. Literally, no, literally put on a ship. I've seen machinery yes. on a ship, and, yeah, be sent to China, yes. Right, yeah, and absolutely. this was a massive technology transfer. Mm -hmm. And the deal was that you had to give them their intellectual property for free. Like that was the yes. deal. Like this was it insane was for us to do this. Yes, yes, yes. It was where those individual decisions. It was a. It was a, It was the right individual decision, but the wrong collective decision. And you know, if a next generation is paying the price for what happened back then. Yeah, it, it, and I think I have yeah. a theory, Ray. So in social sciences, okay, in the social sciences, and I and we talked to um, uh, Rebecca Costa about this, Greg, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Whatever the solution to a problem is becomes the next problem. Whatever it is. <laughs> I like that. That's a, I'm going to pass it off as my own. That's a great yeah. Yes. <laughs> no, so for example, it's like what happened in the 60s and 70s, what emerged yeah. after the post-war boom was this idea that um, we have to increase shareholder value. That's the mm -hmm. only principle that American yes. corporate capitalism was based on. Okay? Correct. We have to increase shareholder value. You don't have any stake in the society, who built the roads, who lives here, who the community you work in. No, none of that matters. All we have to do is, uh, um, is uh, increase shareholder value. After that, what happened was because of the reporting and all that sort of stuff, things became quarterly, stock markets are putting pressure, and all of a sudden you're like, yeah, we don't really need to make these in, we don't need to make these antibiotics in America. What do we need antibiotics for? We'll just make them all in China. Yes. Well, that works for it works for a number of decades. <laughs> sure, it worked. So, so these uh, these these first five you, that we've talked about, um, you know, a little bit on the last one too. But it, to me, it seems like people are going to have to pay more for the lighting to get this if if they want a flight to quality, if they want payment terms to lengthen, or if this is going to happen, local production is going to be an advantage. Are we actually going to be willing to pay more or are we just going to have to pay more? That has, well, that's a question that end users and our customers need to, need to answer, frankly. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, I think the future, uh, uh, the replacement for the neoliberal, neoliberal, uh, yet, um, globalized economy I, is beyond my pay grade. But, yeah. um, mm -hmm. that's, that seems to be the question is, you know, we've been taking cheap luminaires from China. It's driven down our margins. It's hollowed out the lighting industry. This crisis has crystallized that and underlined that. And so we've, we as an industry need to ask questions of ourselves, really, as to how we get back to not a nostalgia play where we go back to the days when we had, you know, factories that made everything from first principles. But we do have to rethink that. And I'm not quite sure... I'm not quite sure how we do that, if I'm honest. Hmm. 
So the tech savvy will prosper. I think the tech savvy always prosper. But I think yes. now, I think now what you're saying is that the tech people that are that are able to bring um significant productivity tools in the form of software and services uh mm-hmm. to the table right now to solve to solve the problems you outline in 7, which is we'll have to respond to changing sectors. So I think what you're saying is that uh, hire a software developer boy and get yourself really good at selling online and on Amazon and becoming, you know, getting better at having your customers log into you. And you got to focus on that that ease of self-service productivity section of your business. Is that what you're saying here? Or, Or you're coming from a lighting design perspective. So how does it work from the lighting design perspective? Now, the line designers, line designers are ahead are ahead of everybody else. They're used to working online, communicating online, designing at home. That's it's it's not a it, you know they have coped better. What I have been shocked is that some manufacturers, you know, they're still on Rolodexes, they're still on paper records. You know, if you don't have, <laughs> true. you don't have you know if you don't have CRM in the cloud, your accounting in the cloud. You know, working from home is really difficult for your team. Sure. And I was just shocked that a lot of companies are having really fundamental problems that they don't 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 have this this stuff. And, you um, and if you if you wanted to buy a lighting distribution company, let's say you wanted to buy like a small regional lighting distribution company, maybe five million in sales, mm-hmm. you're gonna find a lot of legacy practices that are gonna blow okay. your mind. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, you might exactly. find a guy that types up packing yeah. slips on a typewriter. I'm not kidding you. No, I know. I never <laughs> seems to be amazed by some of the stuff. I mean, but that must you, that must hurt you now if you're trying to work, oh, operate sure. in the current condition using the old school methods. Whoa, good luck with that. You know. So that was the point I was making, really. Yeah. So companies that are you know up using all the modern and doesn't they don't have to invent their own stuff. You just use standard packages, you know. But right. um, if you don't have that, whoa, I don't know how you you know. Uh, start to digitize your customer records and all that. Yeah. Uh, I want to add one. So you did eight. Go on. I want to go nine. Okay. Go, go. Well, I originally wanted to go ten, but I just thought those eight are five. Yeah, I, I'm pushing my luck. So go on. I'll I'll, I'll be very grateful to hear number the nine. reemergence. The reemergence of and um, what's the right way to put this? The reemergence of trade or- organizations as the hub of knowledge. So what we saw, go on, yeah. So what we saw from say 2007 to 2019, I started to reverse probably uh, Greg with our episode with Tom Butters. Sorry I, think about that, that. I, I think I think that's when it switched um, from the IES. But I, what you saw was like um, these. So institutions are very slow to change, much slower than the an industry will change. Right. Correct. So the most resistant, I'm going to make a joke here, but it's true. The most, the institution most resistant to change in the world is the Catholic church. That's the, that institution is <laughs> most resistant. Yeah, I used to be a member. <laughs> so, but you take like the IES, which is an institution in a sense, it's similar to the Catholic church in a, in a way because it, it like it has a, a higher purpose. Okay. Right. It's called to a higher purpose. And so these institutions are very slow to change. And what you saw in the lighting business was almost like the type of conversation where trade associations like Nailed, like the Greg, Greg and I are members of Nailed and the IS, they've lost their way. They, they, they don't, what value is there in association? What's my payback? You know, like the idea that someone would join a, a, an industry, like someone would, would sneer at joining an industry associations of colleagues that do the same thing every day. There was a sneeringness towards it now. Mm-hmm. And in the past, like really in the very recent past where people would sneer at the IA, ah, the IAS doesn't know what they're doing. They're behind the eight ball. There's other organizations that are better now. And nailed is what's my payback from nailed. I just want to be in a buying group. I don't need to be amongst colleagues by an association run by the people that are the members, we don't need that. We just need a we just need a check from somebody to show up. I need to get paid. 
I think you're going to see people step back and say, you know what? We actually do need a higher purpose for this industry. We do need discussions about things that are not about money. Mm-hmm. And but I, I think, think UVC is one. Yes. yes. And I think the IEF and, and CIE and all your associations, we turn to them, guys, what are the guidelines? Yes. What should we be doing with this? This is powerful stuff. And yeah, they, they have recognized that, I think. So I think you're right. And what I would love associations to do is not just, you know, uh, liaise with their members, but to do an outreach, educate the customer somehow. You know, how do we teach mm. customers? This is good lighting, and that's why it costs that much. And this is, this is, this looks okay, but it's not really. You're, you know, so we. Uh, how do associations help in that education program? Yes, education is key. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Now, I wanted to ask a little bit about you know you're in the European market, we're in North American market. Mm-hmm. Um, what are the name the big brands in European market of lighting? Top three, top five, whatever you come up with. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, the, the, I mean, the big brand is uh, Signify slash Philips because they still use the Philips brand. But as a company, they're known as Signify. Mm-hmm. Uh, Osram still big. Osram have been, uh, you know, they're obviously the world's number one in auto uh, 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 lighting for automobiles, not just in mm-hmm. Europe, but in the US as well. And um, that must be a challenging market for them. Um so there's still a Zumtabel uh, is the big architectural brand. Um, they've had their restructuring issues as well in in right sizing to the to the new market. And then you've got y- your big uh, Fagerholt is big. They own uh, Igazini, obviously. And then you've got your big German brands like Trilux, um, etc. So yeah, so you've got a lot of big players on, uh, on this side of the pond. But, you know, big news today was that officially Light and Building Show uh, in, in Frankfurt is cancelled for this year. And mm-hmm. if you told me that, if you told me that at Christmas, that there would be no Light and Building exhibition, um, I, you know, I'd be, I, 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 would, I would disbelieve you. Um, I mean, the Light and Building Show is not just an exhibition. It's the, mm-hmm. the big biennial gathering. It's totemic it's it's where the lighting industry flaunts its stuff it where it you know it's it's all about prestige huge stands you know um Mm -hmm. so i i think they made the right decision at at the right time you know i'm sure any of us sitting around that table listened to what they were saying you know they would have taken the same decision because i think a lot of the big brands were going to put out and i think it's the right to have no no show this year and have it into but it's a sign of the times that you know that show is not going ahead and it's not just to social distancing i think a lot of brands are taking advantage of the situation to say look you know let's 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 keep our marketing budget you know for this year because i you know you have to question every time i went to the, the light and building every couple of years I look at these, you know, multi-million euro stands and say, wow, does, can this industry really afford, is, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, you have to ask, is this is that the right show for the, for the industry? Or can it, you know, is this really what we do? Build these massive, massive stands for a week, take them down. You know, I'm talking to somebody in the exhibition business. I love exhibitions, I always have. But, um, yeah, so I think that was the right right decision. But that is the big news yeah. on this side of the today not it's surprising on it, it's completely the least surprising news ever in one sense but it's also <laughs> quite shocking because it says that is the where we've come to there isn't even a light of the building show there probably won't be a hong kong show in the autumn uh your education's not going ahead so i think it kind of yeah that was where people got together there was a lot of networking a lot of that was the reset every year you know in terms of innovation mm-hmm. that showpiece um so yeah, yeah. that's, that's... Uh, I've got a couple more exhibition related questions but getting back to the the brands that you named have they always been the big brands in Europe or North America or yeah European markets sorry well you know GE was big once on this this mm-hmm. side and they've you know retrenched the you know they've sold their they had they obviously owned the Tungsram factories in Budapest and well, all, all across um Hungary and um they've sold those now and they've they they've then you had current by GE and you know that they they have stepped out of Europe effectively now. Um, so uh, 
yeah, same with as I said with uh, Osram. You know they you know they sold their they packaged their lamps business into lead bands. Um, you know exited from luminaires. They've been making the IoT play with their uh, light intelligence uh, platform, but you know. That hasn't set the world alight, sadly. We got very excited about IoT and Li-Fi and indoor location tracking and all the smart stuff that we, you know, uh, that we thought was the future. And I hope it is still the future. But this is a this is a bit of a, you know, this may be a bit of a reset for that type of platform. Sure. I guess you might not know this, but why are they different? Why are the big companies in North America different than the big companies in Europe? I know a couple of them cross over, but why don't they all cross mm -hmm. over? Isn't it? Aren't we all doing the same thing? Do you have an answer? Ooh, I mean, I, I've always wondered that. That's a very good question. Well, obviously, standards are very different. You know, you've got uh, yeah. you know different standards. You're culturally culturally different. You've got different ways of making build doing buildings, for instance. You know, you've got sure. more space for your troffers and all the rest of it. Um, signifies don't uh, uh, you know have quite a big footprint in North America, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, with the brands that they bought, you know, with Cooper and Genlight and all the rest of it. So they have a, have a, I, you know, I feel sorry for Signify. I mean, they, they're, they good, their first quarter results were, weren't bad, you know, 8% uh, profit and, um, you know, Eric Land, Rondo, like you've got a feel for the guy, you know, he's done this and they got their second quarter, second quarters are going to be a car crash uh, mm -hmm. in this industry. So, um, yeah, so. Um, so, so do you think what it look ahead five years do you think the there will be leading lighting companies like the ones you named or will they will it look a lot different will it be more evened out will it be top people low people how what do you think is going to happen uh, i think the whole industry unfortunately will be smaller in five years to make a prediction i think you'll have you know signify have been doing a lot of heavy work they you know i think they have there was general agreement that that they've turned the corner you know they they've put everything in place i mean it's been difficult for them the transition to leds has been difficult for them as a leading player um and you know they have turned you know the other brands yes they've got the the capital the cash to and they've got good management you know to make the good decisions and to uh mm -hmm. and to come out of this hopefully strong smaller but stronger hopefully but you know some companies won't make it yeah, it's uh, yeah. as I said, just accelerating all the trends that you have. It's just gonna it, this the English crisis will accelerate those trends. We will lose some of the you know that the expression they say about you when the tide goes out, you know who's been swimming without without trunks, you know. And I think that's right. it. If you <laughs> if you're very financially uh, uh, fragile, you know this will really this will just hammer you, and you won't want to take on extra debt. I mean, you see Nordian in Germany, Nordian Lighting went into administration uh, last week. They were losing, you know, uh, according to the, to, uh, in 20, they were losing a million euros a, uh, a month. Um, and we can only expect that that's got worse. So anybody who is, who is, who is not in profit, it, it isn't going to be pretty, you know, so. But I hope the industry comes out in better shape. It, yes, it could accelerate. And creativity and innovation, and I hope it does, and different ways of working. I hope that happens. I'm trying yeah. to be optimistic so, uh, here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no problem. And, and a couple other questions I just wanted to ask, kind of related to trade yeah. shows. So you're the editor of yeah. Lux Review. Correct. And and is and Lux Review is is part of Lux Live, or how does that work? Who owns you guys? That's and right. Yeah. yeah. Myself and Gordon Routledge, we we launched uh, a company. Oh gosh, uh, ten years ago now, and we um, and one thing we we were conscious of with the lighting industry didn't really reach out to its customers in terms of its marketing, etc., and its events. So mm -hmm. we, we we said, you know, these guys need, you know, the, the energy managers and facility managers, and all these guys, you know, where lightification was happening, and they didn't really know much about LEDs and what to do and blah blah blah. So we took a view to those guys need the lighting machines to go out to them and talk to them and tell them what what we're what we're about and um so we launched an exhibition looks live uh, 10 years ago and um in here in london and um that was and looks review was the complementary 
online magazine, shall we say. It was a, it was a mm-hmm. print magazine back then. And uh, that was complimentary to, to Lux Live. And that's since been uh, taken over by Clarion, which is part of Blackstone, uh, uh, based in New York. So, um, so it's slated to go ahead in November currently. So Lux Live is still planned or to it's take place in November? Oh, yeah. Yes, okay. currently. But obviously that's in the context of whatever is happening with government guidelines, et cetera. So, Got it. So, so how do you feel about the, the future of trade shows? I know you, you started talking about light and build and then the surprise about being canceled, but do you think there's going to be less mm-hmm. of them? Do you think they're going to go away to, altogether? Are they going to change drastically? What are we going to be seeing? I don't think face-to-face will ever go away. You know, I, I know mm-hmm. we're doing the Zoom thing and all the rest of it, but, you know, if you want, want to trust people, spend money, do serious stuff, you do need to have that human element. And I think um i i think it's going to become more yeah business travel may decline but i think you know those times when you do hook up with people will be more important and you know you you can't replicate that i don't think you know what the the the, um final phase of all this and this is well beyond lighting as well and i think um i think it's time to start thinking about it you're an irishman so you have a lot of sentimentality you know, you know the land, you know, the land of uh, you know poets and scholars and all that sort of stuff, right? So there's, yeah. you, you'll feel it first. Um, there's going to be the descending of sadness over all this soon. Like right now, you have people that are, um, you know, COVIDians and Convidians, and you know, paranoid of the virus, and you know, completely pissed off that they can't go to the pub and have a beer. And so you got these two sides. I think people need to come together in the middle over something, unfortunately, that all of this is very sad, actually. And we need to mourn the loss of this time. People's graduations, weddings, funerals, all these events, everything. There needs to be, there isn't, and there needs to be the appropriate amount of sadness. Because, um, you know, people are angry or scared. And both of those uh, reactions are no longer appropriate. And if we don't move to sadness, then we can't um, uh, forgive. We can't um, say, you know, hey, it's okay that you did this and you screwed up or you went too far or you didn't go far enough or whatever the problem ends up being when we do the accounting of all this stuff that's happened. People, the Mm -hmm. society needs to step back and say, we're, we're going back to face-to-face meetings, okay? Walking around with masks on and gloves is ridiculous, okay? I'm sorry, but it's ridiculous. It really is. And it's not healthy either, okay? It's not good for your skin to wear a mask all day. It's not good to have this wet shit in front of your face all day. Wearing gloves all day. It's not, it's not healthy. You need, you know. But um, all that being said, uh, it's not emotionally healthy. I mean, I was at a Baskin Robbins the other day, Greg, and there's all these people that went into ba- Baskin Robbins was essential. It was still open on a hot day serving ice cream. People are going in there with masks on, buying an ice cream, being handed an ice cream cone, pulling down their mask outside, yep. and eating an ice cream cone with rubber. I wanted to take pictures of them. I said, this is ins- <laughs> completely insane. Yeah. Right? Standing outside Baskin Robbins, it's 20. Well, you're Celsius, right, Ray? So 21 degrees Celsius in Canada, and it's nice. Um, whatever that is, 72 in Fahrenheit. Oh, uh, okay, thank you. You, you know, <laughs> in your crazy Fahrenheit system. But uh, sitting there licking, but pulling down their masks to eat ice cream standing six feet apart. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. And it's sad. It's funny because it's sad, though. And so we need to be sad about this. We need to be sad that we didn't get to see our friends at Light Fair. We need to be sad that people are pulling down masks and eating ice cream. And we need to get rid of mm-hmm. the paranoia and the fear and all this kind of thing. And however we get out of it, vaccines or whatever, whatever the, the powers that be, it's time for sadness mm-hmm. about this, right? Yeah. And I, people don't have the appropriate amount of that yet because there's only two reactions. People are going to become sad or they're going to get really angry. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I think sadness is better. And we mourn it. We grieve this period of time. 
We come up with a solution to the problem, and then we fire up the nailed conference again, fire up the nailed convention. We go back to Germany, and we put our stake in the ground and say, we're not backing down from this, man. We got to get together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I think that will, uh, that will happen. Um, I, I, it's a very interesting idea about the collective bereavement. and I, I don't know how you, how you make that happen or how you bring that together, but it, that's a really interesting point that, you know, we – we will look back nostalgically at the at the at the years before this, and we will eventually get back, and we will eventually uh, recover and rebuild and re-strengthen. How long that takes is anybody's guess, but that's I, I thought that's a yeah that's new to me. That interesting point of a collective sadness and and uh, yeah, I suppose it's like that the process you have to go through, isn't it? You know, yeah. Oh, the five acceptance. pages of grief or whatever, yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, first in there. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the 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 first news is like people. Most people are in denial that their actual their lives have been ruined. Okay, like, and I mean, people say, "Oh no, my life's not ruined." Actually, you know what? Uh, that the hockey championship every year matters. Actually, that matters. Mm-hmm. It's an important ritual mm-hmm. for our society. All these little sure. hockey, the little league hockey championships, the the Ontario Hockey League, the NHL, all these things are important, man. They matter, and it's sad that they're over, um, and they were they were destroyed. Um, but I, we get out. I know how we get out of it. Very simple. And I'm going to say something that might be considered controversial, but you can't follow science. You can't follow science. You can only follow leaders. And we need to get off our ass and elect good leaders. Go vote. Care about elections. Make sure you vote and so that we have good leaders so we can get the hell out of this situation because we can't, oh, we're just going to follow the science. I'm sorry, Premier of Ontario. That's not science. That's a PowerPoint presentation. Okay? That's called PowerPoint. Okay? It's not science. You Just because you, you put it on a piece of paper and hold it up, Okay, where's the leadership, man? Where's the courage? Where's the decisive action? Where are the trade-offs? That's that's what science will help you make the right trade-offs. You don't follow it. Say, so follow the science. I'm going to follow the science. Like, yeah, so did Nazis. They followed their science, and that was their science. They followed it. No, leadership so what is what we need. So what is happening in Canada? Is that are they going to ease the lockdown? What is it sort of are you? Is your point that it's it's not happening fast enough? The the lifting of the lockdown or the it's... no? It's not. It's not that fast or slow. There's no. There, there's no. Um, there's a massive vacuum of leadership. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I believe in democracy 100, percent but there's a little bit mm-hmm. of a problem with democracy, and that is that democracies get the leaders they deserve. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? And, I, and they, get the, they get the leaders that when people don't think about voting, when they don't make their decisions the right way, this is what, when you have an actual crisis, okay, mm-hmm. you need good leaders. And in sure. Canada, what we have is a bunch of clowns in, on, in my province and in the federal government. Now, I'm not saying, I don't, look, look, this is not political to me. One of them is a conservative, the other one's a liberal. Okay? And they're both mm-hmm. clowns. And they both be they have no courage. There's no direction. There's no spirit of leadership. And they're always taught follow the science and th- this sort of stuff. And then they go then the prime minister says you can't go to your cottage and then he swims out to his cottage. It's like a, it's like a, it's like um uh you know, uh all animals are equal. Like some some am- animals are more we equal than other animals, right? Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's not leadership, man. Mm-hmm. Well, today in the UK, one of the major uh, professors and scientists relate, uh, who uh, came up with the whole modelling of the the progress of the virus in the UK has had to resign because he was visiting his uh, his mistress. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, we're observing social distancing. So that's the big news story here. But yeah, so... Yes, and in Scotland, the chief medical advisor was visiting her second home and had to resign when the press found out about it. Yeah, and, so, so, uh, and, and good job for the press. Great job, yeah. I would say. Good yeah, job. Yeah. And I, I would yeah. say also on top of that, like, you know, the, the, um, 
the uh, the hypocrisy and the sneering contempt from some of the leaders it, the, the is very very concerning to me. You know, the way that they speak to us and, and the, um, you know, I'm, I'm very concerned about whether or not you're a, you're a Convidian or a Covidian, whatever side you believe in or whatever, the, the, it's time for these, whether or not. So you either failed to save us from this virus or you locked us down unnecessarily. It's either one or the other. Okay. So mm-hmm. you need to come out and enough of this sneering, stay home nonsense and say, you know what? I'm sorry. We screwed up. We screwed this up. This is where we went wrong. And back on March 10th, we should have done this, but we didn't. And then, and in the future, this is how we're going to handle it. And that's leadership. This confirmation bias, I couldn't have been wrong, spin it. This is people's lives. This is not about spinning. Either people are dying like crazy from this, or you've locked down healthy people unnecessarily and ruined their lives. This is not about the spin anymore. Oh, let's mm-hmm. spin it like this. And then we're, we still get to be in charge. Guess what? Canada doesn't need Justin Trudeau, actually, to be the leader. We don't need you. We don't need Boris Johnson. We don't need Donald mm-hmm. Trump. We don't need Doug Ford. We got other people here. So if you could just come out and say where you screwed up, we be very appreciated, actually, right now. Because people are locked in their homes. It's enough. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? I'm sorry, I went off. I went off the line. I would be amazed and impressed if you could get a politician to say, "Oh yeah, we screwed up on that." On that, uh, you know. But that's what's necessary now. It would be mm-hmm. great, but I don't think that's going to happen, frankly, unfortunately. But it, you know, ironically, their standing would probably go up if they said, "Yeah, we made For some sure. mistakes. We did our best." Yeah, ironically, people were grown up to say, "Okay, fair enough." You know. Though the question is but this, my, right? The question is this, yeah. do you think people are actually stupid or do you think they're smart? Most people. That, well, most people have their own, um, they're, they, you know, they look, at the, they look at their own needs and, and, and their own situation and make their own individual decision. I think there was an epidemiologist in the UK who said, you know, what we've got, we're going to do is everybody, every individual person has to have their own exit strategy. You know, the government can open the pubs, the government can open restaurants, the government can, uh, you know, let airlines fly and they can have social distance, but it's up to each individual. You know, what is your degree of risk? What are you prepared to do? How are you prepared to get on with your life in some ways? And I think there's a bit of truth in that, isn't there really? You know, is how, how are you going to live the next 18 months, hopefully, before they get a vaccine? I think people are smart. I think yeah. most people well, then they can make their own decisions and take yeah. risks, take an appropriate risk. We take risks every yes. day, you know, it, no matter what it is, whether it's road safety or whatever, the government has certain, there are certain rules that we all agree to go by, but we all take greater or lesser risks and we have different attitudes to that. And that's fine. So we should end the, the podcast with uh, how many politicians does it take to screw in a line? Ah, forget it. Ray, thank you for being a guest on the Get a Grip Online podcast, man. Great to be on with you guys. Yeah, very interesting and very stimulating. Thank you. Yeah, enjoyed it. Thanks, Ray. We do the light thing. We do the right thing. That's Satco. And I, I, that logo came out, the new tagline and that from Satco. And I loved it right away because I know the people at Satco. And I know when they say that, they mean it. But then when I saw the documentary, The Starfish, I felt it. I saw the soul. I saw the heart of the company. Um, Herbert Gilden. Um, check out the documentary, folks. It's, I'm, look, it's an uh, unbelievable story of hope and beauty. It really, really is, Greg. I can't say it anymore. Yeah, and it was a... I think it was a perfect way, and at least from our own experience of, of uh, learning about Satco, is first we went there and we felt it, and then you watched it and you see it, and and you really know who they are, why they are leaders in lighting, and why they continue to be and, and have innovative product, great service, great people, Satco. Yeah, just a great family business, great American story. Go to satco.com, at satco.com. We do, I'm going to say it, we, me, I'm in the Satco family. We do the light thing. We do the right thing. Check it out. Um, folks, the National Association of Innovative Lighting Distributors, where all the connections that we're talking about are made. 
through that association. Uh, why should I join Nailed? I need a payback. What's the payback? Stop being a, get your bean counter out of the room. Okay. No accountants allowed. We don't need any bean counters. And we want to talk to you guys, you distributors, about what the future of distributing distribution is going to be about. We want to carve out that future as a group, as leaders, as business owners. We want to, we want to create a meeting of the minds. We want to move forward together as competitors, but also as colleagues. And that's a, there's no price on that. You don't get paid for that. It's not what it's about. You go to NAILD.org. Yeah, fill out your application. You send it over to us and you join. You join the conversation. NAILD.org. And, uh, of course, Ray Maloney, Greg, editor of the Lux Review. Thanks for him for coming on the show. Yeah, great discussion on the future of lighting, where we're headed. So be ready for it. Or it just happened. Or this it happened. the end. Yeah, you're a little confused, son. How many commercials have you done today? So thank you for listening, folks. Or is this the beginning? Did I lose it? Uh, be ready for the future, not be ready for the thing you just listened to. So oh, I'm saying okay. you listen to it. Now you got to be ready for the future of lighting, okay? <laughs> okay, woo, because that kind of smoked me out there. I thought we were opening the show. We're closing the show. Thanks for listening, folks. We love you. Bye for now. Written on the rectory wall, there's a sign there for all. You are lost, Lord is there to find you.